Welcome to the Tabletop Submarine, where we dive a little bit deeper into why we love board games. Strap in and prepare for a deep sea adventure. You're your host. Hey, Andrew. What? Do you know what it's called when your spouse, who is also a bee, pages you? I have no idea. Honeybuzz. Ah! <laughs> <laughs> Go along with the Elf Freak thing, because they got lots of wonderful games. Listeners, welcome to another episode of the Tabletop Submarine Podcast. It is so good to have you here today. As always, my name is Josh. With me is my number one and number two. I'm Andrew. And with us today is Aaron Kemkes. He's a Ion Award winner and a board game designer. And welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you for, for letting me be here. I appreciate it. So tell a little bit, tell our audience a little bit about yourself because I know you, but I don't think the rest of the world does. So go ahead. Uh, I don't know you. So. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm <laughs> about ahead, to rock sorry. your world, Josh. No. Um, <laughs> uh, my name is Aaron Kemkus. Uh, I'm a board game designer from a small town called Syracuse, Nebraska, uh, in the middle of the United States. Uh, you literally, literally, it's one of those towns that like you don't know it exists unless you're here. So I don't blame you for not knowing it. But if you're familiar with Nebraska, you know it's it's uh, south of Lincoln, south of Omaha. So I hear some clicking, clacking. So he's looking up Syracuse as we speak. <laughs> <laughs> we have a thing called German Fest there, and they put a big Christmas tree in the middle of the street during Christmas. So it's, I mean, we have some interesting things, but. Um, uh, as you said, I, I've won the Ion Award. Um, I'm a f- uh, 11 time finalist in national international board game contests. And uh, it's my dream for my designs to be part of game nights all over the world. I, I want to help bring people closer together at the table because I think, you know, there's there's a lot of uh, value in sitting around a table and playing games with people. If you don't <laughs> agree with someone or, you know, maybe they're not your friend in real life, um, you could always, you know, sit down and, and play a game with somebody and be able to find some common ground. And I think that's really cool. It's also great, like, you know, bringing families and, and people together. I mm-hmm. I've had a lot of great times, you know, with families and my family and friends playing games. So that's my goal. That's what I want to do. I want to pass that feeling off onto people around the world with my designs. So that's a worthy goal. That's something that we all want. Uh, Josh and I are both designers as well. So this is a three game designer roundtable here. Um, But yes, we always feel those same thoughts. We absolutely want to bring people together. We want to share our vision and our games with the world and we want to see people playing them enjoying them so that's a worthy goal yeah i think it's really important um you know for for that to be the goal because you know essentially we play games to have fun and you know the the fun has to be there right so when you're i spent i play games to destroy my enemies i don't know what you're talking about josh is a painter (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> well, and, and that's the thing too, Josh, like, even if you're going to destroy your enemies, you can destroy it in the comfort of your own home or at a convention with people that you mutually want to destroy equally. So <laughs> either way, I get my I get my bloodlust station. So it's okay. Yes. <laughs> so Aaron, for those of us who maybe aren't designers, people who don't you know, who are just casual listeners, they love the hobby, earn it. What's the Ion Award? So the Ion Award is uh, considered the biggest contest in the United States. Um, another another one closely resembling it would be uh, Cardboard Edison. But the Ion Award has been around uh, since 2009. Uh, it's out of uh, Utah. 
And, uh, it, yeah, yeah. It's, uh, it's produced as far as I know, every winner has been published. Um, and then obviously the last couple of years, I mean, we're still kind of in that cycle. So I'm sure that, you know, there's a couple of games that have yet to be announced that are probably going to be published. So it was a massive, massive honor to even be considered for the Allen award, let alone win it. That was, it was really cool. Yeah. For some listeners who don't know games, like I think, I think Crash Octopus was one of them. Maybe no, not Crash Octopus. The most uh, the most popular one, as far as I know, is Xenon Profiteer. Oh, the Night Cage, actually, Night Cage. Yeah, for those of you who don't know, some games. What the most big, the biggest one that I can remember, Killer Collection, is the Night Cage, which is a fantastic, super thematic. Like this game rides on its theme, extremely hard game about being in this underground cavern. So this is a this is a really, you know, it's a really great thing to have your game list so congratulations to you for doing that thank you a couple other winners we have is oros loads of roads and scarlet mm-hmm. pimpernel as well yeah okay all, all those are published great so just a matter of time before we see your game out into the friendly local game store shelves speaking so. of which which game is it that won because i think you had what three entries into the finals <laughs> yes yes i did i i three of the four S- finalists in deck, my deck <laughs> Were, were me. Um, the, the three finalists were uh, Crystallia, Stacking Frogs, and a game called Gumball World, which ultimately ended up being the winner. Um, Gumball World is a game where um, you are teenagers uh, working your first job, and you're working for the greedy Mr. Gimbal filling gumball machines at his store. And uh, <laughs> you have to collect gumballs from dishes in the middle of the table. And uh, it's kind of um, all a point salad where you get the cards and they have a specific requirement on them uh, to score. And depending on where the gumballs are in your gumball machine, depends on whether you score or lose points. So you can score for groups, you can score for you know specific rows and columns having a certain color. Um, so yeah, that it was, uh, I have to say, uh, um, it was it was a really cool experience doing the online judging. I was so nervous to do it, but mm-hmm. um, I got to play my game with Ryan Lockett uh, from Aww. Red Raven Games. So awesome. that was that was cool. I that was a neat experience. That would be like utterly petrifying for me for many reasons. And Ryan Lockett's one of my favorite designers. I look up to him in a lot of ways. Same here. And yeah, he's but he's just like such a. From what you can tell from like his documentary about him and just people's reports, he's such a mellow guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And probably one of the nicest guys you'll ever meet in the yeah. industry for sure. So I got a quick question for you, Aaron. Uh, mm-hmm. Of the three games, did you think that Gumball World was the right pick for winner, or do you think mm-hmm. one of the other two should have uh, leapt above it? Is this like mm-hmm. an Oscar situation where the best best one doesn't actually win? <laughs> That's actually a really good question. So I I had asked a couple people uh, about which one they thought should win. And the consensus was Gumball World. But in my mind, not that, like, I think Gumball World is a great game and I'm really happy it won. But I'm honestly quite surprised that Crystallia didn't do it. um, Because I actually, and I, you know, I've been chatting with you through Messenger periodically. Um, Mm -hmm. We were initially going to do this uh, interview after I got back from France uh, because Crystallia was a finalist in the Boulogne Billancourt uh, International Contest. So, right. I, yeah, I was sitting here thinking that was going to be the one that did it, and then Gumball World did it instead. So that was kind of it was kind of cool, though. Well, it just shows that your game spread to different reaches and hit different people, right? 
And that's one of the things we, we talk about in game design is all is, is no, you have an audience for your game, know that and lean into that audience, but not every game is for every person. And if it is, then you're probably not doing a very good job as a game designer. So that's, that's cool too. Um, yeah. Can you tell us a little bit about Crystalia then? So we know what that game is about. Uh, so Crystalia is, uh, the theme is you are descendants of the world's ancient civilizations and you're meeting in an underground temple to play this, this old uh, game um, to uh, gain, the, gain the favor of, of your nations. Um, so the, essentially it's like, uh, uh, it's like a combination of the drafting from like Seven Wonders Duel and, uh, mm -hmm. and Truffle mm -hmm. Shuffle mixed with like kind of a bejeweled style like matching mechanic. Um, okay. so you're, you're drafting these stones, you're placing them on the board and you're trying to collect crystals to get up to a certain number, but you don't want to collect too many because then you start to lose points and you run the risk of busting, um, okay. and, and losing. So, uh, it's very much, it's a collection game. It's a pressure luck game. It's, you know, matching, you can anti-match in the game, which is kind of cool. Um, cause we're all so used to matching things in games and this game, like you can literally take your turn and not match something to try to help yourself or screw hmm. someone else over. It's kind of, kind of cool. Okay. So to round out this pre-launch, I'm going to, Andrew, I'm going to probably make this a thing. I'm going to start asking this to every designer we have on. Okay. And this is a very important question. Mm -hmm. You ready? You ready, Aaron? Yes. Meeple, pawn, mini, or standy? <laughs> That's a... <laughs> Um, so <laughs> this is funny that you asked me to pick between things because I literally have a terrible time choosing anything. I'm not as indecisive <laughs> as most people, but, um, oh my gosh, maybe I would say meeple because meeple is like meeples are, are iconic. You relate them to a board game. I, I, I have to say that minis would be a no for me because a lot of games that are just minis dudes on a map are not for me. They're very well designed. I, I think that they're really great, but I, I mean, I literally have to be in a mood to play those. So I would probably say meeple. You heard it here, folks. Aaron Kempkis hates Kickstarter games. No, <laughs> not at all. Not at all. Okay. <laughs> well, Let's get my instruments up and ready so we can start this voyage. Let's head out into our pre-launch. The pre-launch. Get to know us and our guests. So in the pre-launch, we talk about one game we played recently and give our thoughts on this. I'll go ahead and kick this off because I have the weirdest game i played in a very long time called Ham's Sandwich Shop. Hmm, I've never heard of this. So, okay. I didn't either until one of my coworkers bought it at the game store and asked me to play, and I did. So I'm going to set the stage for you guys. Imagine, if you will, you're in a sandwich stop. And it's like your, it's like your traditional Subway, maybe Jersey Mike's. Kind of okay. nice, has all the meats there, the lettuce. You can smell the wet, crisp lettuce and the <laughs> different various lunch meats being sliced. And... You're expecting someone to walk out, but out walks a hamster. <laughs> and turns out this hamster runs this sandwich shop. Okay. And he's been struggling for a little bit. And as he's making this sandwich, he accidentally falls in to the sandwich of his customer. Okay. And all of his customers love it. They think it's the cutest thing. And so he just starts hiring hamsters to do that, to jump into sandwiches and serve it to people. And then crawl out and the, the customers eat it. That is the that is the theme of ham sandwich shop. Okay. So 
you are hamsters assembling sandwiches and trying to jump on to reserve different ingredients onto various sandwiches. That is the uh, worst <laughs> movie pitch I've ever heard. <laughs> I have. I, so, <laughs> go ahead, Aaron. Sorry. I was just going to say, I have two thoughts, Josh. First of all, I'm glad you didn't say moist lettuce. I <laughs> oh, no, lettuce isn't moist. Lettuce is crisp. <laughs> Secondly... Uh, is this some sort of health code violation? Yes. I mean, I would think, <laughs> Absolutely. I would think if you have hamsters and sandwiches, that's probably not a sandwich depends, job. Depends if the hamster is surf safe, is surf safe certified. So wow. we'll see. I, I don't, no. I'm not questioning. <laughs> but so in the game of uh, Ham Sandwich Shop, you are playing hamsters, assembling sandwiches, trying to get the best sandwiches. It's basically a set collection memory game where you have a bunch, think of like patchwork, where there's a bunch of like shapes around a board. Right. Instead of a board, you have three buns or three like pieces of bread, and you have a bunch of ingredients. You have a little hamster chef that jumps around and you pick a couple ingredients and throw them on a sandwich. The key and the, what the, actually the little fun part of this game is that you're trying to arrange the ingredients in such a way around this circle so that they match what's on the sandwiches in front of you. Okay. It's kind of hard to explain. Basically, if I have an egg salami and lettuce in front of my little chef around the circle i want to see if i can remember if there's an egg salami and lettuce on any one of these sandwiches if i do i can throw my piece of bread and said i think i'd say i think that sandwich is done if i do that successfully three times i get a gold star if i get it wrong twice i lose huh? now why is there hamsters because at any point in the game you have a little hamster that has a free little ingredient on it that you can throw onto any one of these breads it's a little, little cute little punch that you throw onto the bread, and it can either be it's, – it's a hidden ingredient from the other players. It could be like a lettuce. It could be a tomato. Or it could be that one of the hamsters is eating one of the ingredients, and you actually don't get what's on the what's on the sandwich as it is. And this game mess, this game was messed up in so many ways. <laughs> it's, it's, it's fun. It's, it's fun for what it is. It is a set collection memory game. If you don't like memory, you're not going to like this game because it does require you thinking about what's been placed underneath – large chunky cardboard punch outs okay uh, i i would play it again if someone asked me i don't think this would ever be my collection i appreciate the production is actually very good but this is i mean i'd rather play something like patchwork and i haven't played patchwork in a long time and i it's it's cute i'm glad it people can be there to enjoy it but mm-hmm. man what a theme that just didn't make sense to me. <laughs> but that was uh, that was Ham's Sandwich Shop. Yeah, I've heard of Slapped on um, Themes. That one is probably top of the list. I think that is just nonsensical kind of craziness. But I give them points for inventiveness, I guess. Yeah. yeah. Um, there is that. All right. Yeah. So I've recently been playing um, a really cool game called Aquatica. Uh, this is one I didn't know much about until I kind of was working the booth at Gen Con at, uh, with uh, Arcane Wonders. And this one was selling like hotcakes. It was it was going quickly. And for a game I'd never heard of, it was doing very well. And they had an expansion for it. So I ended up having to pick it up sight unseen. And it's been sitting on my shelf of opportunity for a while now. And I finally brought it out. This game is a really cool little game. Um, the hook on this game is that you're taking cards from a market. And you have to conquer them using the cards from your hand. So you oh. can either conquer them in one of two ways. You can either fight to conquer it, or you can buy it out. Once you get a location, you take it onto your board, and then it slides up underneath the board to the first level. Each card has different levels, and each level has a different bonus. So you might get two extra coins from that location, or you might get an extra strength from that location for fighting. 
And you can then at any point during your turn use that bonus toward whatever action you're doing, and the card slides a little further under the mat. Once it gets to the bottom, you can use your treasure chests to pull it out and cash it in for the victory points. That's oh, okay. essentially the game, but it's very much a combo-tastic game. You may, you know, put out a fighter and then use an attack from this card that slides up and then use an attack from that card and that slides up. And then my other card over here, I use a two up to move those two spots further up two more. And then I use another attack from the third card and slide that one up. And like just this really interesting thing where you're like triggering all these different bonuses during the course of your single action. And you get to do all these kind of cool things. So I highly recommend it. Um, it's a simple game, the first one you play. And then they have um, alternate victory conditions that make it a little more complex and make it longer. Um, but definitely a game that I didn't know was as good as it was, and I'm very excited to try out the expansion pretty soon. Yeah, it sounds it sounds really interesting, and I'm looking at the picture uh, on Board Game Geek right now, and it, it looks very interesting. That like the the color scheme is cool, and uh, looks like the art is done really well, also. Yeah, Aquatic has been one I've been wanting to try for a while, so hopefully I'll get to the table here soon. Aaron, what have you been playing recently? Well, uh, as I said, I, I have a hard time choosing, so I'm just <laughs> I'm just gonna go for it and and uh, detail the the two very briefly that I've been playing a lot lately. One's older, um, and one is newer. I wanna I wanna give some love to the newer game just because I think it's brilliant and it's a great for a group, and that's Ready Set Bet. Yeah, this so, has been a lot of people are talking about this. It's the new hotness. I really gotta try this. Ready, set, bet is amazing because there's actually an app that you can get on the computer or on the phone or whatever that actually um, it does the, the rolling of the dice for the horses for you. Because what happens is you roll a pair of dice and that horse moves and there's different conditions of, you know, if, if the same number happens twice in a row, it goes a certain distance extra. So instead of having a person sitting there rolling dice, which is still okay, you have it off to the side on a computer or you put it on the TV screen or something, and mm -hmm. you can just sit there and watch it, watch the horses move in real time as the dice are rolling, you know, virtually. And then you sit there and you place bets on this board in front of you uh, about, you know, certain things like, do you think it's going to win place or show? Um, there are prop bets that you can bet on. Do you think the seven horse is going to get beaten by the five horse? Um, it's really, really, really awesome. I, I cannot say enough good things about this game. It's brilliant. Um, um, and the other one's probably one that you guys have already heard about, maybe played already. And that's Quest for Eldorado by Reiner Knizia. It's a classic. Yeah. It's a, you know, classic deck builder. I jumped into it late. Like literally the last month and a half, I, I played Quest for Eldorado and then I subsequently bought the other two expansions that were available because it was just, it's amazing. Um, and it's really fun two player because you have to get both of your people to Eldorado. Yeah. Um, so those, yeah, I, I literally could not choose. It's like when I'm standing in front of my game shelf and trying to pick a game for game night. I was like, what do you want to play? It's like, well, we could do this or this. Or this, and they're like, just choose something already. Right. Yeah. <laughs> well, that said, those are two really good picks. Um, I've heard nothing but good things about John D. Clare's uh, Ready, Set, Bet, and I need to try this one out. Um, that really is compelling with this whole idea of the app slash TV doing the the work, and then you just focusing on the betting. Sounds very cool. I know that uh, John D. Clare, I heard in an interview, is really interested in this idea of a no-player game 
where the players are invested in the outcome and then act upon that, right? So that's where this idea came from, is he wanted to, to play a game where the players didn't actually participate in the game, but they were invested in the outcome, which I think is a fascinating thought process. It is. It is. And then with you know Quest for El Dorado, it's a classic. Obviously, it's new, but it's not really that new. But at the same time, I think a lot of people don't really know about it. And it's really an interesting game. And I like that it's so modular and can change so drastically. And then oh, the expansions add a quite bit to it, too. So those are good picks. Absolutely. Well, and one one note on Quest for Eldorado that I think is something as a game designer that I really admire is the fact that the expansions don't just add something on. You can actually, uh, like, for instance, the um, I believe it's the one where you're in Eldorado. I forget what that one's called. Uh, is it Heroes and Hexes? Um, I, I forget off the top of my head, but it's the one where you're actually in Eldorado and you can just play the Eldorado map, but then you can combine that with the mm -hmm. other quest for Eldorado games, make it to Eldorado and then try to make it through Eldorado to collect the gems. It's just, it's really well done. Yeah. Well, my instruments are ready to go. We've got enough gas or whatever, maybe plutonium, <laughs> whatever we run on, whatever we run on here in the underground in the underwater city. Whatever we were, whatever submarines run on, we're ready to go. We got plenty of it. Let's go ahead and start our dive. Josh, you're running on hopes and dreams. Uh, running out of them, though. Running, <laughs> running off fumes. That is a never-ending <laughs> supply. What are you talking about? Ah. <laughs> <laughs> uh. Regale us with your tales of yore. Oh, man. Uh, there have been so many, so many great moments playing board games. It is so hard to pick. But honestly, I think one. one of my favorite... <laughs> <laughs> I think my favorite moments have been a game called Lords of Vegas. If you have not heard of Lords of Vegas, it is... I have to say, and this might be a hot take for some people, because there's a lot of people that like Gloomhaven that are going to, you know, tie me up and run after me with pitchforks and flame. Mm. But I honestly think Lords of Vegas is is probably my number one game of all time. And the reason for that is every game that I've played of this, I've played it with multiple groups. Every game I've played has turned into everybody like standing up at the table, just staring at all these dice and casinos and just waiting for their turn, waiting to know what card's going to come up because okay. you score in the game based off of what casino comes up. You're basically betting in the game that if you build these casinos that you'll get that casino to come up. And if you do, you get money, you get points, you get lots of different things. Um, and you can do multiple things on your turn that you know, like you can gamble in other people's casinos, which leads me to one of my favorite memories ever. And that was, I play Lords of Vegas with, uh, with my sister and my friend, Justin. And, uh, he always has to bet millions of dollars in a turn because $1 in this game is $1 million because we're dealing with Vegas, right? So, He'll bet like $30 million. He'll win somehow. He's got a four-leaf clover somewhere. I don't know. And he'll get $60 million in turn. And then he'll just do all these crazy things to mess up the board. Because you can reorganize casinos. You can change colors on things. He will do this stuff just to cause chaos. Well, he's winning, right? He's winning by like 20-some points. 
And we're laughing and joking about this because there's no way that he's winning this game with all the chaos he causes. He literally just plays the game to thrive on chaos. He's the joker of Lords of Vegas. He's the Loki. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So he's ahead and I'm behind and I'm frustrated because I'm normally good at the game. I pulled off a greater than a 20 point comeback in like the last five or six turns because my casino just kept coming up constantly. And just the look on everybody's face was awesome. It was one of my greatest moments ever because I literally thought that I was going to lose that game. I had like $10 million on my turn. I wasn't doing anything. Managed to come back and win. So is it just that the cards just came up for you or was there some sort of strategy that you pulled off to make this happen? (laughs) I would like to say that it's this big, elaborate, awesome strategy, but it was basically because in the game, uh, you're betting on what colors are going to come up by, you know, what casinos you build and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. And I was just looking at the board and I'm like, you know, green hasn't come up in a while. Purple hasn't come up in a while. So I just, you know, I invested in making those casinos and I, I reorganized the casino and won, a, won some die rolls. And yeah, next thing I know, I'm winning the game and it's, uh, it's an unprecedented thing, you know? Well, it sounds like you at least earned it by strategically seeing what the probabilities were. So that makes sense. And that's yeah. very thematic of Vegas, right? It's all about probabilities. Mm-hmm. So that's very cool. Excellent. It's a game I've played one time and I need to play again, but I haven't had to play it in a long time. So that's cool that that came up like that. I hear you have a, uh, a game night tradition I want to hear all about. So we used to have a, a game night tradition. Unfortunately, you know, with, with people being busy with life and, and everything, we kind of had to stop doing the tradition. But we did have a tradition for almost two years where we would do a monthly game night and the winner would get, you know, a trophy. Uh, and it just like had like a domino on it with a flame and everything kind of, kind of like a cheesy, like $8 trophy. And then okay. we 3d printed a second place trophy. That was a poop emoji. Mm-hmm. Um, because as if it wasn't <laughs> insulting enough that you lost game night, you get second place, you get the poop trophy. But the fun part about our game night was you got to take the trophies home and do whatever you wanted, you know, that was, uh, good and legal um so what i did i wanted to i wanted to win so bad and i finally won and so i i just really trolled everyone i had a picture on facebook of it sitting across the table uh from me in a candlelit dinner i had a picture of it buckled up in the front seat going on a car ride with me um so (laughs) safe to say that i didn't win it very much after that because i probably fueled their hate fire well here's a question for you bros Circling back to the Lords of Vegas story, we'll get back to the poop trophy here in a minute. <laughs> circling, back, <laughs> circling back to the Lords of Vegas story, there is a Kickstarter for Lords of Vegas mm-hmm. being redone by Lone Shark Games. Are you two guys backing it? Yes. I, I backed Americana, uh, the, the expansions to it, because I already have the original game. Basically, the way the Kickstarter, they're doing it, and I kind of like how they're doing this, they're letting you kind of pick and choose what you want. So you can either have the expansion and the updated version of the game, which I already have it. You know, it's a graphical upgrade. It's a good graphical upgrade, but nothing that I'm going to, you know, put extra money into because I wanted to put that money into the expansion. Uh, And the expansion is something, if you like Lords of Vegas, I I would recommend it because it seems like they put a lot of work into having multiple maps, and I think it's only like 40 bucks, and you get like three other games, essentially, with different themes and everything. So, um yeah, that, that's that's definitely something I would recommend. What about you, Andrew? Are you you backing it? I think this is a game I need to play again before I make any financial decisions regarding it. Yeah, Not that I don't I think it's a good game, 
but I think it's been seven years since I played this game. But I remember having a good time, so I can't say. But I've also gotten to the point where my Kickstarters need to be very few and far between because I still have oh, yeah, my I still have Kickstarters that are not opened yet. So yeah, ah, the shelf of opportunity. Yes, and in fact, I have Dead Reckoning on that shelf with all the cool expansions on it, and I need to get that game to the table. But man, is it intimidating? But yes, it's it's a cool. Yeah, I have I have too many already, and until I get through all those, I can't Kickstarter anything else. No, I understand that. Yep. Well, you could. You're just choosing not to. You're making a <laughs> conscious decision in your soul to not to do that. But I understand because I'm the same way. Because I, I don't have. I mean, I just got I just got Mall Pekin from Pencil First, and that's because I really liked Skull Hollow, and I already had that game. Mm-hmm. So I understand that. Like, I'm still I still got like five or six now on my shelf of opportunity, waiting for me to play. Yeah. But that's that's besides the point. When you're when you're doing a game night, Aaron, we're gonna go to this. When you're doing a game night and you're trying to pick games that are competitive, what do you look for in it? What are you looking for for these? When, when you back then, think of back then. What are you looking for? So we tried to do <clears throat> we tried to do like theme nights, and uh, for the for the most part, it was cool, but it was kind of hard trying to find a, a bunch of games that fit a certain theme. <clears throat> excuse me, without it being, you know, like Christmas or Halloween or something like right. that. Um, but we did do, um, <laughs> one of my favorites was the Jaipournament. So instead of, <laughs> instead of a tournament, it was a Jaipournament and that was, that was epic. Um, we also did a love letter tournament for Valentine's day, nice um, stuff like that. So we tried to stick around the themes, but after a while it was kind of like, which games do you like? Oh, you know, we generally like these types of games. Okay. And then I would, you know, pull in three or four games that, you know, we all liked and everybody would kind of get randomly drawn to play a certain game. If you guys had a dream game night, like let's say it starts from, yeah, yeah, four hours, 6 p.m. to 10 p.m. Oh, man. And we're, we're same stakes <laughs> as Aaron. There's a, there's a first place awesome trophy and a second place poop trophy. <laughs> what game, you have four hours, pick as many games as you want that you can fit in that four hours. We'll go off kind of board game geek time, how time it takes to play the game. What games are you choosing for that night? Oh Lord! Like, uh, duh! That, that's like asking me to choose my favorite child. Like that doesn't yeah. work like that. Like, I like this well, idea of one. the theme games. I like <laughs> the idea also of doing a tournament style where like yeah. everybody plays every other player one time or something like that. So you get some some cool two player games. Uh, I would say I would actually like to do this. I would like to do the Cosmos two player tournament where everybody plays the two players okay. against each other or something like that and have like eight people come. <laughs> <laughs> and have it like rotate around which game you're playing at a time, right? So you don't know which one you're playing, you don't know who your opponent is. Oh, that'd wow. be kind of cool to do it like that way. Cause uh, like two player Seven Wonders, two player yeah. uh, Mmotep, maybe two players of like Patchwork, like all those kind of like really cool, crunchy little two player games, and drop it like that way. That's probably what I do. I think that's a brilliant idea, Andrew. Like that—that that would be more up the uh, my alley of what I would like to do. Like, I—I I think that I would just—I would pick, you know, kind of shorter games, like 30, 45 minute games, um, you know, along the lines of like a Jaipur or a Patchwork or something, and have it be a person versus another person. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I do like that idea, but since I can't choose that because Andrew took it from me already, <laughs> I would say, you know. Kind of the kind of the classics for me. Like uh, I, I really like Azul, um, but Azul Summer Pavilion I think is probably, in my opinion, better. 
So mm-hmm. I think this whole summer pavilion would, would be a lot of fun. I've played a lot of like super mega lucky box. Um, if anybody's ever heard of that one, it's literally the greatest re-implementation of bingo ever. Um, <laughs> Bill Walker Harding did a great job there. Um, or, you know, something like King Domino or, yeah. um, even like, like no thanks, you no, know, of no thanks. No, yeah. no thanks would be a good one. Yeah. I really like that game too. So I would say shorter, shorter games that you could, you could have like everybody like go around to each one of them and you wouldn't be waiting for, cause that was one of the problems with our game night. Mm-hmm. Uh, was if we had imbalanced games, like we'd be waiting for 15 minutes or 20 minutes for someone to finish a game and nobody likes to go to a game night and wait. No, agreed. Um, yeah. For me, I'm starting off the night with a good old fashioned round, round robin game of Taco Cat Gochi's Pizza. <laughs> start, start the things off. With, <laughs> every, every, so each, every, you, you play the game. If you win the game, you're out for the next round. You do like four rounds. So everyone has a chance to win. You get those points. After transitioning into that, we do some, we do some Splendor. Okay. So we're playing, we're playing Splendor, have a nice little kind of crunchy Euro in there to get stuff. A little brain teaser, play one round of that. Whoever wins that, we score points based on first, second, third, and fourth. You get points just in that. Okay. After we finish Splendor, we go into a rowdy game, a couple games probably, of King of Tokyo, uh, mm-hmm. Dark Edition. I prefer that one. <laughs> so we play King of Tokyo Dark Edition, get some more randomness and dice rolling in there, try to balance that out. So we have three games already. Take a snack break to get some dinner, refuel up, drink a Mountain Dew. And then <laughs> we, finish up, we finish off the night with... What I I think either I, this is where I get struck. I want I want to do a heavy strategy game to kind of like finish out the night, make it nice and smooth. I think my gut instinct is to go with something like Twilight Imperium. I don't say Twilight Imperium. Twilight, yes, four hours. Um, that's your game night. But, times yeah, two. That's my game night. <laughs> I think I think something along the lines of maybe like Isle of Cats. Or okay. something I like. I like Isle of Cats is not the meatiest game by any means, but Isle of Cats would be a, a preferred choice for me. Or some sort of roll and write like fleet that requires a little more think and crunch. Okay. Um, I thought you were going to say like Architects of the West Kingdom or something. Right. Architects is a good choice, and I do like that game. But I prefer. I mean, actually, Architects is a really good choice. <laughs> We're gonna switch that. Architects, <laughs> Architects of the West Kingdom. Good, good, go with this. Good, the assist, Aaron. Finish off with Architects of the West Kingdom. What if I just go ahead and throw out three more other games? You're gonna say, yeah, let's go with that instead. Now, I'm just wondering how that. Okay, works. throw three more out. Let's let's see. Throw three more out. All right, what how about think? like Lewis and Clark? You got the card comboing thing no, like that. Oh, that's no. out. Oh, okay. So that's out. Stopping no. up on that one. All right. How about Brass? Uh, the the number one game right now. You want to roll with that? Brass Birmingham. Yeah. I'm not going to roll with Brass. Brass is a little too dark. It's going to be nighttime by the time we get there. It's going <laughs> to broke people to sleep. Next. All right, I've, been, I've been I've been professionally shot down right now. It's okay. I'm done. That's fine. Here here. I'll assist. I'll assist <laughs> your attempt at an assist, Andrew, and say do the night cage with the lights off and flashlights only. That's cooperative though. How do you make a tournament out of that one? Huh? Well, no, no. You you just wait for the game not to be over, and then anybody that wants oh, to okay, stay, you know. <laughs> I tried. Well, what was the? I, I'm interested though, Andrew. What was your third choice? I want to see what you got to say. <sighs> Putting him on the spot. Yeah, hold on a second. Let me. Now I want to walk over to my game shelf and I want to look at my stuff and I want to pick something. <laughs> uh, Do it. Take take ten seconds if you want. You to. got it. <laughs> go go for it. <laughs> yeah, but you know, 
while <laughs> Andrew's looking at his game shelf. I, I just think that the idea of starting with like a light game, like Taco Cat, get everyone followed up, go into something small but a little heavy like Splendor, and then get everyone riled again with King of Tokyo, and then going into something heavy, I think that's just a good pace for the game night. Have everyone eat before you get into the heavy game so that you're, you're nice and fueled up, but as the game goes on, you're, you're starting to wind down for the night. It'll smooth out quite peaceably. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I mean, um, generally you always, you always start with, you know, what, what they cl- uh, classify as a filler game at the beginning of the night to get people in, engaged and wait for other people. But, um, yeah, I, I think, I think the strategy game, like the big meaty strategy game at the end is a good idea. Um, what, what did you come up with Andrew? How about Sulkin? Ooh. Ooh-hoo. <laughs> so that's worker placement with a movement mechanism based on time and it's resource management. It's got a little bit of crunchiness, a little bit of meatiness to it. Um, I think it's a great choice. So I played architects. I have not played Sulkin. Oh, all right. Based on what I know though, I'd probably go with Sulkin because I I do like (laughs) architects, Mm -hmm. but there's something about Sulkin that has always attracted me to it. I just never had had a chance to play it yet. So I think I'm going to do another Audible and switch it and say, well, and then I was something like Zulkin. <laughs> you call me a flip-flopper, I don't care. Anyways, <laughs> so, well, we are deep down in the poop emoji sea, looking at all the second place, looking at all the second place losers floating outside the submarine, all these, you know, all these, you know, whatever you got, whatever two games that Andrew mentioned floating to the side, (laughs) Brass Birmingham, and they're just floating away. Let's go ahead and see what's on our sonar. Speaking of losers that are floating to the side, uh, what pirate game are you looking forward to, Josh? (laughs) Whoa, the egg's on your face because this game's not about pirates, Andrew. So it's okay. <laughs> I, mean, I thought it was when I first looked at it, but this is actually uh, an RPG. I know me again with the RPGs, but it's called a uh, Bluebeard's Bride, and this is a more adult-oriented GMless storytelling game that involves. I, reason I was so excited about this because my friends at work want to stay after late one night and play this game. Um, and it is more akin to board games than most other RPGs because of the way, like, it has, like, rooms you go into, and based on how the rooms are made, you draw decks of cards and you roll, and there's, like, different ways you can do it. You sit down and play it in one session. So there's a lot of board gamey aspects to this game. Okay. But what Blue Bluebeard is an ancient, like, folk legend, I forgot the exact culture, of a man who was wealthy and took upon himself a young wife. The fa- wife's family, there's words... Did not want him. Did not want her to marry him because there was rumors that he had murdered his five previous wives. And in the story, in the legend, she finds. She says he's, he was like, "You can explore my entire giant mansion. Just don't go in this one room." Yada yada. She explores the room and finds the bodies of the five dead wives, and ends with him finding her and killing her as well. Kind of like a. There's some sort of tale in there. Some sort of story in there about something. But in *Bluebeard's Bride*, you are playing. Yeah, spoiler alert, but in Bluebeard's <laughs> Bride, you are playing different aspects of the bride. You are playing not just five different characters, you are playing all playing the bride together in different aspects of her. And you are going throughout Bluebeard's castle to these various rooms, and based on what decisions you make in the rooms, 
what rooms pop up and how you react to those rooms. It's going to have a different ending at the very end when you finally get to the final room where the locked door is. And so various pa diverging paths, various things you can go to. And I'm really excited about this for many reasons. One, it looks fantastic. Two, it's a more adult-oriented RPG, so there's going to be lots of mature things happening, which is kind of, kind of like those, like, you know, mature-esque fantasy stuff that I enjoy to, like, explore as an RPG guy. And it's, I mean, it's a, it's a sit-down-and-play-in-one session, which is my favorite kind of RPG in lots of ways. So, but that is a Bluebeard's Bride. Not a pirate game. No, not a pirate game. Is it? Not is it published by Jelly Bean Games by any chance? It's not. Uh, nope. I, I I should get I should get Peter on that though. Yeah, absolutely. He should make it. Yeah, called Bluebeards. <laughs> I mean, he make like a game with like Bluebeards Ride or something like that, where it's some sort of card game <laughs> that you can. That, it's a card game that you can play thirteen different games with. You know, it's like Lady and the Tiger, but better. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. Aaron, what have you been playing recently? What's on What's on your horizons? What's on your sonar? You know, actually, last minute, <clears throat> I made a choice. Can you believe that? I actually picked between the two things I had written down. Like, th this is amazing. Um, no. <laughs> all joking aside. <laughs> Point City. Point City all the way. I'm um, very excited about this game, too. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah. Point City is the sequel to uh, Point Salad. And Point Salad was a really, really big hit. It's a great open drafting mechanism where um, you are taking a couple different uh, things for your salad, a couple different vegetables, and then um, the opposite side of the cards have a scoring mechanic on them. Uh, Point City kind of takes that further where you're building a city, and everything I've seen about the game has, has really grasp my attention it seems like it's a little bit more expansive than uh, point salad was so that's kind of cool um and you know you can't go wrong with flat out games and aeg i mean they're just match made in heaven they're killing it right now absolutely and uh, as good a game as point salad was the theme is a little on the flimsy side um but i love the mechanism <laughs> the least, so yeah. i'm very curious to see how they make that a city building game in a tableau building style is very cool so yeah absolutely this is on my list um, so another game that's on my list is uh, Caper Europe from Keymaster Games. Kind of going with that whole two-player aspect of things. I think it's very cool to have the two sides battling over three different locations and how to steal certain things from different things. And it's playing cards to each side. And then certain cards have activations when another kind of card is involved. I've not yet played this one, but it's one that's been recommended to me multiple times. It has really cool... Uh, 50s style cartoonish but kind of stylized artwork so it's really kind of cool i'm excited to check that one out yeah and just an aside on Keymaster games i backed them on kickstarter back when they did the game control and control is such a such a simple mm -hmm. like um a simple, easy game, like getting to 20, you know, trying to get to 21 or whatever. Uh, but they, they have really grown up from from that point and put out some really good stuff like parks and uh, space park yeah. is amazing um so yeah well the oxygen is getting low we better shoot up right to the surface and let aaron go <laughs> oh man <laughs> i was enjoying looking at the titanic i mean i paid good money for this
Yeah, but the Titanic Titanic is right down there with the Titanic board game as a truly <laughs> bunch of sinkers. So, <laughs> uh, well, Aaron, it's been a pleasure having you on the submarine today. We are really happy for your success. If people want more Aaron Kempkis in their life. If they want more of you or your designs, where can they go to support you? Um, so you can actually uh, find me on Twitter. Um, I, I, I know that some people might not be on Twitter uh, as much, but I do have a Facebook presence, but it's it's kind of my personal Facebook. I've just been sharing stuff from my own personal accounts. <clears throat> so uh, Twitter, twitter.com slash Aaron Kempkis, um, capital A-A-R-O-N, and then capital K E M P K E S. That's not all capitals, just the A and the K are capital. So. <laughs> Sounds good. And who'd you sign Gumball World with? Um, so I have a publisher interested in the game, um, and uh, I'm waiting on their determination. So I will, I will just tease you all and say we will see what happens. Mm-hmm. Uh, I do have uh, a couple other games being looked at by publishers currently as well. So hopefully, you know, you'll you'll hear uh, hear and see more from me in the future on your shelf. Well, we sincerely hope so. Yes. Listeners, please support Aaron and all he does. And if you want to support the podcast, please like us on Facebook, like us on Instagram, share this podcast with all your favorite peoples and meeples, because meeples are the best, according to Aaron Kempkes. That was a lot of rhyming, and I'm really proud of myself. That, that was all accidental. <laughs> By the way, Josh, um, I, I do I do got to say, because, you know, uh, it, it's it's been kind of, kind of up and down uh, a lot lately uh, for me. Um, Andrew kind of knows about the ins and outs of that. Um, and I just, I, I can't like, I can't end this podcast without putting some love out to the people who have supported me during this journey. My, my sister, she play tests all my games. You know, she, she gives me the honest opinion, even when I don't like it. Sometimes Mm -hmm. my fiance, Sarah, she's just, she's the most supportive (laughs) of me, you know, like, if I if I'm having a bad day or something, she's there for me. And my playtest group uh, here in Lincoln, Nebraska, they are awesome. Cody Hansen, uh, Matthew Greenleaf, Sam Stockman, uh, Dom, they're they're all awesome. Uh, Eric and Julia playtest for me. I just I, I have to name drop them because seriously, without them, like without these people in my life. Um, you know, I wouldn't be where I'm at right now. And I, I think it's really important to, to thank the people that have helped you get to where you, where you are. So absolutely. Uh, awesome. Well, I'm sure with their help and your talent, you will go, we'll see more of you and more of your designs out there on the shelves and on people's tables. Yep. Well, listeners, thank you again for listening. As always, my name is Josh and I'm Andrew and this has been the tabletop submarine.